Gentlemen, good morning to each and every one of you, and thank you for uh, joining us and being here this morning. Uh, it's an ironic morning to have the topic that's going to be discussed at hand. Uh, I, I don't want to reveal it just yet, but it has to do with rest. And so being being spoken about the, the value of rest and then being asked to come here early in the morning, I know there's, there's some tension there with those two ideas, but... <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, guys. Um, well, this morning we have the the pleasure of having, uh, I guess, if if uh, we are the Jedi, having our Master Yoda speak to us. Um, if we are um, the Avengers, having Nick Fury speak to us. Our fearless, wise, and powerful leader, leader Nick Missios himself, will lead us through this talk. So let's welcome Nick up here, and uh, brother, excited to see what the Lord is going to share through you. Good morning, guys. Uh, do me a favor. Grab yourself some notes. Uh, I'm going to have... And a pen. Grab notes and a pen because there's going to be some interactive stuff that you're going to want to jot down, make some notes to yourself. We're going to kind of brainstorm together a little bit. Um, thank you guys for being here. Uh, I guess I should start off with my dad joke of the month. This is a Sabbath-themed dad joke, by the way, uh, which is, why don't dragons celebrate the Sabbath? Because they only pray on weeknights. The joke is terrible. That joke is just terrible. I love it. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, have you ever forgotten anything really important, really valuable? Uh, you probably haven't forgotten something as valuable as Stefan Thomas has. Uh, Stefan Thomas is a computer programmer, uh, German-born, lives in San Francisco. He uh, did some work and was paid in Bitcoin, 7,002 Bitcoin to be exact. Um, he stored these on a physical, uh, a hardware wallet. Uh, he wrote down the password, <clears throat> and then at some point in time forgot the password and forgot where he stored the password. Uh, Stephen Thomas's forgetfulness has cost him, as of this morning, about $350 million. Um, now, you and I have probably never forgotten something that cost us $350 million. Uh, by the way, his story is really... I, I, it's, I encourage you to look him up and read how he's dealing with this, because the way that he's come to closure with it is really pretty impressive. Um, we haven't forgotten anything that would cost us that degree of money, but uh, I wonder if uh, we have forgotten a good gift from God that may cost us our soul. And not our eternal soul, but... Um, a fullness of life while we're here and a communion with God that, um, that really could, in a certain degree, cost us our soul. Um, and it's Sabbath. So what I want to do today, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about Sabbath and why, why Sabbath exists, whether we need to care about it, and then we're just going to talk about some practicals. Um, so that's the, the general flow of how we're going to do things. Um, let's start with why we Sabbath. So Sabbath is woven into the grain of creation. So from day one, well, day seven, um, we have God instituting Sabbath, right? And so where's my notes? Hello? My clicker isn't working. It's not clicking. Help? Oh, well, I'll roll. Um, so Genesis 2, 2 through 3. 
Uh, actually, I think this is one through three. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. From all his work that he had done, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Uh, so immediately, God creates the earth, right, and rests on the seventh day. We're all familiar with that, right? I still don't got it, Mike. Oh, there it is. I'm just not getting... There we go. Sorry. Um, so God creates the earth and immediately creates this thing called Sabbath right afterwards. Um, and this is important to know because it's a part of the way that God created the universe. It's part of the way that he created us. Uh, it is not, oh, God made the law and said, Here, here's something we're doing now. Shows up at Sinai and says, now you're going to do this thing called Sabbath. Sabbath is a, is a first day of creation for man's purposes Thing. So God, God makes man on the sixth day, right? Man's first full day of existence is a Sabbath. Um, this is not something new God whipped out at Sinai trying to, uh, to freshen things up, right? Um, now, eventually he does, he, he mandates Sabbath eventually, and he, uh, he gives a few reasons for why Sabbath is important and why they should observe the Sabbath. Uh, and what's interesting, when we look at the Sabbath commandments, because uh, God gives the, the law twice, right? He gives the commandments at Sinai, and then right before they head into the promised land in, in Deuteronomy, he does it again. And the laws stay the same, except for the Sabbath commandment, God gives two different reasons for observing. So this first reason is because God created the, the heavens and the earth, and then he rested. Uh, so when, this is Moses giving the law the first time, and he says, "'Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy.'" Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Um, Later on he goes to say... Actually, sorry. Um, Um, Later on in Exodus 31, he says, The Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it throughout their generations as a a permanent covenant. It's a sign forever between me and the Israelites. Uh, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Um, so there's two parts to this. One is that God made the heavens and the earth, and the other part is that he rested. So both of those inform our Sabbath. The first part is that uh, God made the heavens and the earth. That means he's sovereign over all things. Uh, He is in control of provision and creation, and we are not in charge of that. And Sabbath is a reminder that God has done that for us and that he is the ultimate provider of all things. Uh, It also reminds us that as creatures made in his image, we need to rest. Um, it's interesting. God didn't need to rest. He's omnipotent, right? Like he didn't need the rest. Um, but God gives us the example of rest, uh, knowing our limitations, knowing that we're made in his image and knowing that we need to rest. Now, when God gets to, uh, giving the law again in Deuteronomy, he gives a different reason. So he says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sounding really familiar, right? On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock. 
or the sojourners within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. That's a little different there. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So a couple things. Uh, We've got a difference in the first word. Uh, In Exodus 20, God commands the Israelites to remember the Sabbath, which, by the way, just tells us that Sabbath was something that was already existent, right? Because they're remembering something. It's not like, hey, here's this new thing called Sabbath. Here's what it looks like. He tells them to remember the Sabbath. Uh, The second time he says observe. So again, it's, it's a... A recalling. But then the logic goes from being that God made the earth and then rested to remember that you were delivered from slavery. And this has a few tentacles to it. So first of all, Sabbath reminds us that we're not to be slaves of our culture's obsession for more. Pharaoh was obsessed with more. Uh, he wanted more stuff. He would love America, by the way, because if you see a new building being built and it's not an Ashner building, it is a storage facility, right? Um, Pharaoh built whole cities of storage buildings, store cities, and he used the Israelites as slave labor to make them, and he did it because he was obsessed with having more and more stuff. Um, Our storage facilities tell us that we live in a culture that is also obsessed with more stuff, and Sabbath is a time to remember that we are released from the the slavery of having to be uh, obsessed with the acquisition of material goods. Um... But it's also a reminder that we provide rest for those around us. So this is where you see God saying, hey, remember, you were slaves. Some of you might have servants. You get the Sabbath day to rest. But your servants also get the Sabbath day to rest. And that's a pretty radical idea there. And, and the idea that, of this almost like it's, it's, a, it's a social element, a communal element of Sabbath that you extend Sabbath not just to yourself, but to everyone around you. Um, And God knew that while Pharaoh was a a cruel taskmaster and a uniquely cruel man, uh, that there's a seed of that taskmaster in all of us that wants more stuff and is willing to use other people to get it. Uh, And so God establishes the Sabbath and says, make sure that your servants get the day off because you used to be slaves and you remember what that was like. And remember that you were delivered from that. Uh, so that your servants can have this Sabbath rest. Um, Fast-forwarding to the New Testament, um, applying this in a different way, the author of Hebrews writes, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Um, Obviously, there is the physical work that we are redeemed from, that the Israelites were redeemed from, uh, God does not want us to be beholden to the obsession for more and to work in this tangible, temporal life. But there's a bigger work that we are saved from, right? Jesus comes and saves us from our work of self, uh, self-saving. Um, our self-salvation progress, project is canceled. And we are set free from the work that we feel obligated to do to earn our way to heaven, which would never get there. Um, so Sabbath rest is a reminder that we are ultimately at rest from the work of saving ourselves, that that work has been accomplished in Jesus and that we can rest knowing that we are his. Um, Thirdly, 
Sabbath exists as a sign of the relationship between God and his people. And this is actually Exodus 31, 13, not 30, 13. Uh, He says, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Sabbath reminds us that we're God's people, uh, that he has called us into a unique relationship with him. Um, and we see that relationship back from when, when Adam was made. There's a unique relationship with God in the, in the garden. The Israelites have a unique relationship with God. Today, the people of God in his church have a unique relationship with him. And Sabbath is a reminder that we're his people uh, and that he cares for us and loves us. So those are the, that's the logic behind behind the Sabbath rule, uh, that God created the heavens and earth and rested, that God rescued out of slavery, and that it's a sign of relationship between him and his people. Which brings us to the question, does this matter for today? Is the Sabbath a requirement for Christians? Uh, I would start by pointing out that, <clears throat> that none of those things have changed, right? So God has still created the heavens and earth and rested. God has still redeemed us from slavery, and God still wants to have covenant relationship with his people. So I don't see a real reason why we would say that that needs to change. Um, But I want to draw you to to this quote by A.J. Sopota, where he he kind of gets the idea that this, the Sabbath commandment is the only commandment that we treat with this question of, well, Jesus came and, you know, died and saved us, so we don't need, we don't follow, we don't need to follow the law, right? Um... But the Sabbath seems to be the only question that we ever ask us about because uh, he was in the middle of doing an experiment where he was focusing on Sabbath with his church for about a month. And he says, he wrote this in his book, Subversive Sabbath. He said, in the midst of our Sabbath experiment, I was in a meeting with our church's financial board. Sitting there, it dawned on me that were I to cheat on my wife, I would lose my job. If I stole from the church, I'd be run out of town. If I lied about church finances, I'd be in huge trouble. If I worshiped another God, I'd be removed. There are nine commandments that if I chose to break, I might lose my ministry over. But if I did not keep a Sabbath day, I would probably get a raise. For the person who says we no longer need to rest, I'd be curious which of the other commandments they think are antiquated. Is the commandment against murder to be done away with? May we finally lie. Is adultery okay now? Is stealing okay now? We've basically changed a commandment into a suggestion. I do believe that there are laws in the Old Testament that were ceremonial, that were uh, particular to the Israelite culture and the way that they interacted with the world around them. I don't believe that Sabbath is one of those. Uh, The Sabbath is a big deal to God. It's a huge deal. When you look at why the exile happened, uh, Sabbath is a huge reason why the Israelites went into exile. they were not giving the land its Sabbaths, and God removed them long enough for the land to have the Sabbaths that, it owed, that they owed it. Um, when you start to look, you ever get a new car and you realize that you, um, once you buy it, you see it on the road everywhere, right? You've had the experience? Like, I, you know, I, I bought our, our gray Honda Odyssey, and then I realized there were like 12 other people in church that have gray Honda Odysseys. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty boring car, but no matter what it is, you're like, oh, look, there's one too. Look, there's one. Uh, it's not that there are more than exist. It's just that you start to notice it, right? If you start looking in the Bible for Sabbath, you see it everywhere. It is just all over the pages of the Old Testament. It's all over the New Testament, too. Uh, Jesus messes with the Sabbath all the time. Uh, we constantly see him poking at the Sabbath. 
Um, probably the best example this is in John 5 when he heals the lame man. And so Jesus loves doing stuff on Sabbath because he just knows it's a hot-button cultural topic at that point in time. And he just likes to mess with the Pharisees and use it as a means to get to the heart of things. Just in the same way he talked about money to get to the heart of the matter, he talks about Sabbath a lot and does things on Sabbath to see how you're interacting with it because he knows that how you view work and rest gets to the heart of who you are. And, and for the Pharisees, the legalism that built around it, it gets to the heart of the issue with them. And so God heals, Jesus heals this guy, the lame man, and then for, for no apparent reason, like he's just really specific here, he says, take up your bed and walk. So it's a Sabbath. This guy's not allowed to pick up his bed, right? But God creates this, Jesus creates this moment where he says, all right, I'm going to let you notice here and choose. Do you want to obey the Lord of the Sabbath or do you want to obey the rules that have been built around the Sabbath? He didn't have to tell that guy to pick up his bed. The guy could have gone away and come back and pick up his bed later. He could have, he might have just picked it up naturally. I mean, I'm sure when you've been lame for years and all of a sudden you can walk, you're not thinking about the minutia of Sabbath laws probably. Uh, but God specifically asked this guy to pick up his mat uh, because he wanted to point at, all right, Pharisees, I just healed this guy. Um, are you going to take issue with me telling him to pick up his bed that he's been stuck on for years? Because um, Jesus' issue wasn't with the Sabbath. It was all the rules that got added to the Sabbath, right? So God gives, it's a big deal to God, but it's not a very specific deal in the Old Testament. Uh, and then the Pharisees, and, and over time, Rabbis and, and traditions started to add rules, and we'll get to some of these rules later. And there were 39 laws that got added about things you could do and could not do. Um, and the focus became on the minutiae of the law instead of on the God of the law and on enjoying rest with God. Um, Jesus completely fulfilled the law. He fully observed the Sabbath perfectly. Um, I don't think we can say that Jesus, well, he, he, he's accomplished the Sabbath, so we get to dismiss it. Uh, whenever we see Jesus interact with Old Testament law, you'll notice that he never dials down the temperature. So when he's on the, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking about, you've heard it said this, but I say this, right? It's never like, you've heard it say this, but it's not that big a deal, really. It's like, you've heard it said this, but it's actually an even bigger deal than you think it is. You've heard it said, don't lust after a woman, or do not commit adultery, but I say if you've ever lusted after a woman. You've heard it said, do not commit murder, but I say if you've ever hated your brother. And you see God do this thing where he's like, what's the heart of your thing, right? So God, God's law is not something that Jesus is flippantly dismissing. Instead, he's saying, let's get to the heart of what this is. And, and by messing with the Sabbath, uh, Jesus gets to the heart of why uh, why there's, there's these, these pharisaical laws that want to add to it and what the true heart of the Sabbath is, which is rest with God, right? And finding communion and fellowship with God. Um, in Mark 2.27, he says famously, the Sabbath was made for man. And that's what it comes down to as I look at this. I'll be honest. There are people that I respect that would say the Sabbath is something that we don't need to observe. And there are people I respect who would say the Sabbath is something that is... Uh, that Christians are bound to observe. I'm not going to pick nits with them because at the end of the day, it's a gift from God in addition to a command. Um, God made Sabbath for man. He knew in our wiring that we needed rest and we needed fellowship with him. And so I think that rather than asking, do I have to? Uh, it's wiser to ask, what could happen if I do? What could be the benefits of enjoying this gift that God has given me?
So that's the approach I'm going to take for the rest of this talk as we're, as we're getting into the nuts and bolts of Sabbath, uh, is I'm not going to sit here and tell you you need to do any of this. Uh, but what I will tell you is that I think it could be really beneficial. Uh, I think it'd be beneficial for your walk with God. It can draw you into closer fellowship with him. I think it'd be beneficial for your family culture uh, in a way that, that could really form things for years to come. Um, let's talk about what the Sabbath is not. The Sabbath is not a strict list of things that you can and can't do on a particular day. It's not rules that you have to follow. Um, this is the mistake that the, that the Pharisees had made. They had, they had started to blow up this law into this big bloated thing, right? Um, nowhere, I think, is this better uh, illustrated than what is called muktzah. So muktzah would have been uh, things that you that are associated with work. And so this is, this is an actual, like, uh, an Orthodox Jewish website, um, uh, kind of a, 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 an authority on these matters. Uh, and I don't call this quote out to mock, because I, I, I will get to that. But I want you to just think about what's here, what happens here. So, muktzah. Many objects have been designated by our sages as muktzah. We are forbidden from moving them, in some cases, even for activities permitted on Shabbat. Uh, that's another word for Sabbath. Muktza may not be moved directly with one's hand or even indirectly with an object, such as sweeping it away with a broom. However, muktza may be moved in a very awkward, unusual manner with other parts of the body, e.g. with one's teeth or elbow, or by blowing on it. If that sounds like more work than just picking the thing up with your hand and moving it, you are right. Um, this is a case where the letter of the law has been bloated and missed the spirit of the law of rest, Right? Here's the deal. Rules aren't bad. You're dads, right? I hope you have some degree of rules in your house, right? Uh, and you have rules because you love your family, you love the people in it, you love the culture that you're building, and you want good things for them. Um, rules are crucial in maintaining love and order and beauty in our households. But rules are easy in a way that I can look and be like, well, rule three says you can't pick that up. As opposed to, Discernment, which is harder, is that restful for you? Does that give you life? Um, and here's the situation where you see rule keeping, the emphasis on rule keeping is robbing the day of the Sabbath rest that, that it was intended for. Uh, so I'd encourage us as we look at this, you're going to probably set up some rules. Um, but I want you to remember that the Sabbath doesn't exist in the rules. The Sabbath is, is the rest that we seek. And rules are sometimes a way that we, um, within limits, can uh, create a, 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 a culture of rest. Um, Sabbath is not a way of earning God's favor. So we don't rest because if we do Sabbath right, God will love us or God will accept us. Uh, Sabbath starts from the place of knowing that we are already God's children. Again, Adam, remember? God makes him. He's in fellowship with God. First day, Sabbath. Adam has not earned Sabbath. Uh, he's not owed Sabbath. God is giving him Sabbath because he is his creation and he's in unique, unique relationship with him. Um, Israelites, again, they've already been redeemed when the Sabbath command is given. Uh, it's not about earning his favor, earning relationship with him. It's just what God gives to his people. Uh, Sabbath is not wasting time. So 
we may get to the point where you're like, all right, so what, I just like sit and stare at a wall? Like, what, what is rest? Like, what, what do you mean? Just like say I can't do anything? Uh, Sabbath doesn't need to be boring or lethargic. Uh, if I were to ask you, is it more relaxing to walk five miles or not walk five miles? What would you say? Not walking five miles typically is, okay? But what if you're like hiking in Yellowstone National Park versus sitting in the DMV? Which of those is more restful? Which is more life-giving? Which one will you come away from feeling refreshed? And that refreshment word is interesting, by the way, because in Exodus 31, when God uh, is telling the Israelites about the Sabbath, he doesn't just say that God created the earth in six days and then rested. He uses this phrase, God... In six days, he created the earth, and he rested and was refreshed, which is a really weird concept that I can't really understand, I'll be honest, and I don't have the theological chops to get into it, how God could be any fresher than being omnipotent. But somehow, God was refreshed by the Sabbath. And that's a paradigm that I look through a lot of my Sabbath activities in, is, uh, is it refreshing? Is this a refreshing thing? Um, Sabbath is not a reward that we earn for getting everything done this week. When's the last time you got everything done in a week that you needed to get done? Yeah, now, right? And even if you do, I'm sure there's something else. And if you can't think of something else, ask your wife, because she can. Um, again, man's first full day is Sabbath, right? God makes Adam, and he's like, cool, look at this thing we got, Sabbath. Uh, he's told him, by the way, he's already told him, you need to like, tend the garden and everything. But Adam's first full day of existence is Sabbath. Um, you're never going to get everything done. If you wait until you get everything done to rest, you're going to get the one big rest and that's it, right? Um, we work out of the rest of Sabbath, right? We don't earn Sabbath. Now, we might anticipate it, and we'll talk about that, but we don't earn our rest with God. The same way that we don't earn our salvation, uh, God's gift of Sabbath rest is a good gift that he gives to all of his children. Related, Sabbath is not a chance to get ahead or catch up. How many of you guys are familiar with the idea of margin? You heard of the idea of margin, right? So uh, it, margin has a bundle. It could be a paper margin or, or profit margin. But margin, in this sense, I'm talking about the idea of leaving space in your schedule for things to leak into, right? So if I, if I book out every 15-minute block of my day, I have no margin. And so if something goes long or something takes longer than expected or somebody's late to meet me, my whole day is thrown off if I don't have any margin built in my day. Margin is important. Margin is not Sabbath. Sabbath is not a day that you're leaving for all the other stuff to fall into if you don't get it done, right? It's like, all right, I got Sunday or whatever day your Sabbath ends up being. Uh, so, well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that email sent for work, but I, I, I don't have anything scheduled for Sunday, so I'm just going to do it then. Um, margin is important. I'm not saying it's, it's, not, it's not important, but margin is meant to be filled Sabbath is meant to be preserved. Margin is meant to be filled. Sabbath is meant to be preserved. You need both of them. So that's what Sabbath is not. What is Sabbath? And I've actually got the wrong guy here for this, this next definition that I really, really like. It's actually a guy named Adam Mabry, M-A-B-R-Y. Sabbath is a time of rest, holy to the Lord. Done. Sabbath is a time of rest, Holy to the Lord. Pharisees would have hated this, this definition, right? What do you mean? How? We'll get to that. But I want you to look at those two halves. It's a time, actually really three parts. It's a time of rest. Holy to the Lord. Um, 
Sabbath is countercultural. Uh, in his in uh, in his book Subversive Sabbath, uh, A.J. Sabota writes about this. He says there are only a certain number of trump cards in our culture that one can play to avoid going somewhere or doing something. That is, our list of acceptable excuses to say no is rather short. For example, if you have children, which all of you do, you quickly find that they're an acceptable trump card. If your child needs to be driven off to a soccer game or has a sickness, all bets are off. You can say no to something. Few parents are not guilty of using this trump card excessively. Another trump card is work. If an excuse has to do with work or making money, then it's perceived as an acceptable excuse. This is perhaps one of the most culturally respected trump cards. Work trumps everything. Sabbath is not a culturally accepted trump card. It used to be, but it's not now. It says, as an experiment, take a Sabbath thing. People may invite you to some kind of engagement on that day. Now, if you say you have to work, people will understand. If you have to care for a child, you're off the hook. Try saying, I cannot because I'm keeping a Sabbath. The person to whom you speak may look at you as though you either hate them or have joined a cult. Sabbath is not a culturally accepted reason to, do, to say no. When a friend asks you to do something on the Sabbath, all you, can, and all, you can say is, all you can do is say, I'm spending time with God, you'll hear crickets. It is acceptable to have a scheduled appointment with someone else, such as a family member or a friend. But even in Christian community, we are regarded as weird if we have something scheduled with God. Um, Sabbath is weird. i am be honest. It's a, it's a bit of a... In a world where we are go, go, go all the time, it's a little strange to say, nope, I'm taking my Sabbath. It's a strange thing to do. Um, but I think it can be beautifully weird. I think it's the kind of thing that uh, as you do it, as you experience and enjoy the rest of God, you're going to want to talk about it. And it can go from being this weird thing that you do because you're some kind of weird fundamentalist Christian guy to being this culture that you're building in your family uh, that's beautiful and restful and 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 pervades the rest of your life as well. Uh, next, the Sabbath is communal. What I mean by that, so this is, this is the only commandment. It's an interesting commandment. First of all, a lot of scholars will point out the fact that the first three commandments have to do with how man interacts with God. The last six have to do with how man interacts with man. And the Sabbath command is this fourth commandment. It's a bridge between the two. Uh, it relates in how we re- relate to God, but it also has a lot about how we relate to other people in it. Um, it's the only command explicitly given to your entire household, including animals, which is really interesting. Um, and God knew that as a people who'd been in slavery for hundreds of years, that it would be challenging them for them to find the off switch. But also, as I said before, that, that they were at risk of becoming taskmasters, right? That is, if you had a more profitable year and you hired a few more servants, um, or business just went really well, or your crops were booming, there is a temptation to go out there and try to earn a little bit more, earn a little bit more, and not give your servants rest. Uh, there is a whole, like I said, a whole social element of Sabbath. It's really fascinating to me, but we just don't have time to talk about. But just realize that, that Sabbath isn't just about you. It's about the community of your family, the community of the people around you. If you run a business, it's about your employees. If, it's, if, you, if you're employed, it's about your employer and how you relate to him or her. Um, Sabbath is generous. So if you're starting to think about, all right, so what does rest look like? We'll get into that. But if you've got young kids, you know, those of you who have like babies, you realize that it can be tricky because they don't just stop, right? It's like, hey, I need you to stop crying. Um, it's, it's Sabbath. Uh, that's a bit work for me. I'm not going to pick you up. 
Uh, so you have to figure out as a dad how to manage Sabbath rest in a way that's generous and extends Sabbath to the other members of your family. Uh, so if you're a dad, you might have a wife who wants a nap. You might have kids who want to wrestle with you. You might have a baby who's crying because they need to be changed. They all need something. Uh, and it's your Sabbath. Um, we may often need to hold... That's if you know what your baby wants, by the way, because sometimes they're just crying. You have no idea what they want, right? Uh, as a dad, you may need to hold your Sabbath in something of an open hand and say, this is my Sabbath. Uh, I'm dedicating it rest to, as rest to the Lord, but I'm going to trust God to fulfill my rest as I care for my family. Um, you may find that, that you and your wife may be in alternating weeks, especially if you've got a little one, kind of shift responsibilities just a little bit. You know, just, hey, uh, you know, this is, I'm going to be a little bit more on this week so you can be a little bit more off. Or maybe you just, like, just take it all, you know? Um, you guys can work out how that works in, in community of your family. But um, a lot of that just comes in trusting in God to provide rest for us as we rest the best that we can. Uh, Sabbath is life-giving. And this is what I was talking about with God being refreshed. I want you, because I want you to start to look at activities. You think about what you want to do on your Sabbath day. To, instead of having like, is it work or not? Uh, am I allowed to do this or not? Uh, instead of having a single lens through which you're viewing things, having more of like a, a grid that you're kind of processing things through. And one thought, a big one for me is, does this give me life? Is this life giving? If I do this thing for the next hour, will I come away from it feeling refreshed? You know, I, I'm going to get social media in a bit, but the only refreshing that happens when you're looking at social media is when you're refreshing the page to see what's going on, right? Um, there's no refreshing there. Have you ever gotten up from like just sitting on your phone for like an hour, not realizing the time went by? Be like, I'm glad I did that. That was awesome. I feel so much better about the world. Nobody's ever said that, right? Maybe, maybe you stumbled across like a, somebody who had like a baby recently or like a cute baby picture or something like that. But besides that, like it's never refreshing. Um, so I'm not saying, hey, you can't do social media. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what I'm saying is when you go to do something, ask Will I feel refreshed? And you may try things and find out, nope, that wasn't refreshing. Or maybe, hey, that was more refreshing than I thought. Uh, I just encourage you to use that as the rubric through which you view your Sabbath activities. Sabbath is intentional. You will not accidentally Sabbath. You'll be like, man, I just had an awesomely refreshing day and didn't do anything. That was great. Um, it takes preparation. So before the Sabbath command is given, uh, there, we see an example of Sabbath in Exodus 16 when God is giving them manna and giving commands related to the manna. And he, he tells them, you know, so on six days you collect manna, right? On the seventh day you don't commit, collect manna. So what do you do on the sixth day? You collect twice as much. He didn't give them like super speed, right? It meant twice as much work on Saturday to get ready for Sabbath. Um, you may need to spend a little bit of extra time getting the house in order. So it's a restful place for you. You may need to set in a way a message on your email. Um, you may need to make sure that you, if you're like on the fence of cooking dinner the night before, or having leftovers in the fridge, you may say, I'm going to cook dinner tonight so that I have extra leftovers for tomorrow so we don't have to worry about it tomorrow. Just the little things you may think about as you try to plan to have nothing ambush you. You may stop and get gas on the way home, even if you don't need it, because you know you might need it the next day. Little things like that uh, can help you to, to preserve a Sabbath just through a little bit of, of, of preparation. Uh, Sabbath is a foretaste. Uh, now, look, I know that I don't earn my Sabbath, uh, but I anticipate it. I look forward to it every time. Uh, I've gotten to waking up really early, and it's nice to know, oh, I get to sleep in on Sunday. Um, I've tried to really be careful about what I eat. It's nice to know that I'm going to feast on Sunday. Uh, there is an anticipation that is inherent in Sabbath that I look forward to every week. It is the best day of my week. 
Um, and I know that even that is just a shadow of heaven, right? Henry Vaughn calls Sabbath heaven once a week. Uh, we get this little, however imperfect, example of what it's like to just rest in God, enjoy his goodness and his creation, uh, and delight. And uh, it's imperfect, like I said, but uh, it whets my appetite for heaven. It whets my appetite for being able to do it all day, every day. The final rest. All right, Sabbath and practice. When do I Sabbath? I don't know when works for you. Uh, I'm not a big dogmatist on what day it needs to be. A lot of people believe it should be Friday evening and Saturday evening. Uh, in, in the Orthodox Jewish community, that's when it would be. Uh, a lot of Christians will do it on Sundays. Uh, you know, if you're a pastor, Ronald, you can't Sabbath on Sunday. You're working. You've got to figure something else out. Uh, my wife works in birth work. I don't always know when her workday is going to be. She may be heading to a birth on Sunday. We try to plan the best day, but I know that she has more often to work on, sun- on Saturday. So we typically have ourselves have, work- have our Sabbath day on Sunday. Uh, discuss this with your wife. Figure out in your schedule when it works for you to employ this. Um, again, I'm not a dogmatist. I like the evening to evening idea. Honestly, we don't do it, but I, I think it can make a lot of sense, especially if uh, maybe you've got some emails you want to get to or, or want to prepare for work the following week. If you do it like a Saturday evening to Sunday evening and you can spend one sundown Sunday, then you can kind of do a couple things to get ready for your coming week. I get it. That makes sense. It's not what I do, but it, it may work really well for you. Um, so we're not talking rules here, but what might I avoid doing on Sabbath? Work. That's the, that's the most obvious one, right? Sabbath acknowledges that God is our source of provision. Um, and in Israel, this is a big deal. Like when you're in an agricultural society, be like, hey, we're not going to work one day a week. We're just going to see what happens. Uh, and one day out of the and one year out of the seven, because there's also the, he expands the one year to seven, we're not going to farm at all. And we're just going to eat whatever the land gives us. Now, y'all remember Aaron talking about what happens if you don't tend your garden, right? Not good things. Um, it was a pretty radical act of faith for the Israelites not to farm for one year out of seven, which, by the way, is why they didn't do it. Because um, it would have been a big deal. So I would encourage you, put a, an out-of-office email in place that succinctly says, hey, I'm, I'm taking today off. I'll be in, back in the office tomorrow. Um, just bear in mind, you're probably not as important as you think you are. You may feel like, oh, if I'm out of touch for a day, you know, what's going to happen? Probably nothing. The world, the world will go on spinning. Somebody who emailed you uh, Sunday morning and expecting an email back by you know, noon probably doesn't exist. And I think about it, have you ever emailed somebody in the middle of a weekend and been like, why aren't they getting back to me within the next two hours? You know? you're, you're not that important. God is. You're not. Rest in that. Rest in not being super important. Uh, commerce. So Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, B&H Photo, these are all companies that that observe a corporate Sabbath. Uh, if you go to B&H Photo and Video's website, they're, they're a, a really, really major camera company and, and, and technology company uh, out of Baton Rouge. They're run by Orthodox Jews. And if you go to their website on Friday evening, you can't buy anything. Uh, you can look, but you can't buy because they, do, they don't do commerce on Sabbath. Saturday night after sundown, you can proceed with, uh, with shopping and buying from them. Um, the idea here, by the way, is that when I engage in commerce, I require work of others, right? So I can't just like go to the store and grab things. Other people have to give me things, right? And it's made more sense when everyone was doing Sabbath on a single day, but everybody got to rest. Everybody, the guy who ran the shop, 
the guy who polished shoes. Everybody got to rest. And there's, a, again, that's a, that sort of social communal element of bringing rest to a whole culture. Um, I like this quote except for one example that she gives. Because uh, we haven't, again, we don't, we don't really have servants anymore. I don't think any of us have servants, but we have kind of outsourced them. I go pick up my food from that restaurant, or, or I get that guy to mow my grass, or I, um, you know, I get that guy to change my oil, or whatever it is. Uh, Jen Wilkin, in her book on the Ten Commandments called Ten Words to Live By, she writes this idea. If someone else's work secures our rest, we are more than likely enjoying the rest of privilege, but not of Sabbath. If I rest while watching someone mow my lawn or paint my toes, by the way, hopefully nobody's painting your toenails on Sabbath, uh, or prepare my food, I am enjoying rest of a kind, but I may not be Sabbathing. True Sabbath rest extends beyond the, rest, beyond the one resting to those who might be asked to labor on her behalf. My Sabbath rest should not create or entail labor for others in the family of God and should be mindful of requiring work for those outside of it. Um, I think it's a really good lens through which to look through things I'm doing on a Sabbath. It's like, does this make more work for other people? Because uh, if so, again, it might be restful for me, but I'm not sure that I'm really Sabbathing. Uh, social media. I talked about this a little bit. Again, if you think that you can sit on social media for an hour and come away more rested, great. I don't think you can. I think it's going to, uh, it's going to make you feel less rested, honestly. Um, but I'd like to extend that to also to just screen time as a whole or, uh, really like media consumption, news consumption. Um, I think you want to play that a little bit by ear. Uh, I know that for me, we don't, we, I don't watch a ton of TV. I, I just don't have time. And so I might watch, my wife and I might watch a half hour show once or twice a week. So sometimes sitting down in the evening, you know, to watch a movie, that's restful for us. Uh, we don't do it a ton still, but, but you know, I, I think that can be restful for us. Uh, my four-year-old, soon to be five-year-old Emmett, loves watching movies. He loves to watch a movie, and he asks for it constantly, and he gets a lot of no's from mom and dad. It's just, nobody, no, no, why don't you go play? Go play, bud, go. Sabbath is a day for Emmett to be able to ask to watch a movie and not have mom and dad give him a hard time about it. Be like, sure, bud. You've heard me say no to you 50 times this week. Enjoy a movie, Right? Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you are a family, though, that ends up with, you find yourselves watching a lot of TV over the course of the week, think about maybe taking a break from, from screens on Sabbath. Just be like, hey, we're going we're gonna to get really analog, get rid of the digital for, for one day a week. Uh, and I think, uh, I think you might find it refreshing. Try it out. Again, if it works, if you come away feeling, hey, that was really refreshing, you, you might find it does. Um, along those lines, worry. So social media, one of the reasons why I don't think social media is very restful is because it often brings us to a place of worry, uh, especially nowadays. It's, it's, there's a lot going on in the world that's heavy. Um, and it can be tempting to worry about things a lot. I had a, I'll tell you, I'll just be transparent with you guys. This last Sunday was like the worst Sabbath I've had in a long time. Uh, I, between a conversation my wife had with someone at church um, and then some, some bad news that I got and then some other just difficult encounters of the course of the day. It just was, it was a worrisome day for me. I felt, I felt heavy all day long and it just, it was hard. Um, not worrying takes some discipline. It takes some discipline to say, I'm going to take the cares of this world and put them at the feet of Jesus and rest because I can't solve all the world's problems. Um, I can't solve unrest in my society. I can't solve, uh, unrest in my family. I can't solve unrest in my church. I can't solve broken marriages. I, but I can rest in Jesus, and Jesus can solve everything. 
uh, in his time and in his will. And so choosing to put our worries towards Jesus instead of wearing them ourselves, uh, it's difficult, but I think it's a useful form of Sabbath. All right, real quick. What might I do when I Sabbath? Let's run through these real quick, I think. Worship. Um, Matthew Sleeth, who's a doctor who's written a lot about Sabbath, he says, For me, Sabbath has become a very real and powerful day of the week. My busy work week is balanced by a rest day. Some books about the Sabbath extol the day's healing powers, and there are those who tout its refreshing virtues, like me. It's true, the Sabbath was meant to restore and renew our souls, see? But Sabbath-keeping is nothing less than grabbing onto the robe of the maker of the universe. As you approach the Sabbath, a measure of awe is in order. The Sabbath is not part of a trendy self-help program. It is part of heaven and a glimpse of God. Um, Eugene Peterson famously called a day of rest a bastard Sabbath, uh, or a day off, a bastard Sabbath. The idea that it's not just about, oh, I'm just going to take the day off and not do anything, that we are called to worship. And this is easy if you do corporate worship on a Sunday. If you do, a, if you do Sabbath on a Sunday, you can come to church and, and do worship there. But I'd encourage you to instill some sort of family worship time if you don't, uh, if you do Sabbath on another day. Uh, same thing with prayer. Uh, your Sabbath might get leaky in a good way. So things you start on Sabbath can leak into the rest of your week. Uh, if you find that you have a hard time squeezing in prayer, if, you're, if you find that, that your desire for a prayer life is getting crowded out by other things, I strongly encourage you to take some time on Sabbath when it's not rushed, it's not hectic, it's not harried, you don't have anything else calling on you, and you can enjoy prayer. And you can begin that habit. It starts once a week. You can begin a habit of intentional prayer with God. And you may find yourself hankering for it more and more over the course of the week and finding ways to shoehorn it in over the course of your mornings or evenings or whatever it does. Um, it gives us a day where there's nothing more important fighting for it. Um, read. So again, you can read your Bible. I think that's really important. Another way of communing with God regularly, same deal. If you have a hard time finding time and energy to read your Bible over the course of the week, start on Sabbath. Uh, you have nothing else fighting for it. Take some Sabbath time to read. Uh, and also, uh, you can read other stuff too. Read, uh, read for enjoyment. If that's something you don't really do, try it. You might like it. Um, take a nap. Uh, we are a chronically underslept nation. 70% of Americans report being underslept or getting insufficient sleep once a month. 11% of them, of, of people, report being underslept every single day. Uh, I bet that 10.9% of those are parents. Um, I said, Dad, I know that if I am still in bed at 5.30, something's not getting done that day. Uh, but I look forward to Sabbath because uh, I know that I could take a nap. I know I could just sleep in. Uh, if your kids will let you, I know that's tricky. Uh, but seriously, refresh your body. You need, your, your body needs sleep. If you're not sleeping enough um, over the course of the week, use Sabbath as an opportunity to just rest without the world calling on you. Take a nap. Um, there is a long-standing tradition of sexual intimacy as a part of Sabbath celebration. Okay. By the way, uh, on the last page you've got there, or maybe the second last page, I've got just some lists of things you may want to avoid or things you may want to do. Jot some things down as, you're, as they're occurring to you, because I know everybody's going to jot this down. Um, in the same way that Sabbath provides an opportunity for us to come down landing from a busy world and reconnect with God, um, it provides an opportunity for a husband and wife to come down from a busy week and reconnect physically. 
Uh, it's especially beneficial for parents who maybe, you know, get young kids, and by the time the day is done, you've been working all day, maybe she's home with the kids, and it's 9, 30, 10 o'clock before you both land in bed, and you're just exhausted, and you both just want to go to sleep. Um, if that's your situation, you would not be alone. Um, and S- Sabbath provides an opportunity to connect physically without it having to be 10 o'clock at night and without 12 hard, hard hours of exhausting work ahead of you or behind you, leaving you just want to sleep. Sabbath's a great time. You know, so Emmett, Emmett likes to watch a movie on Sabbath. It's a great time to be like, sure, kids, you can watch a movie. Mom and dad are going to take a nap, right? Um, that said, remember that it is your wife's Sabbath too, okay? Huge caveat. You don't get to go home today and tell your wife, good news, honey, Nick Missia said we have to have sex tomorrow. Um, it's a tricky subject, and your relationship with your wife in that area is complex. Um, it may very well be that for one reason or another, uh, it could be difficult, you know, uh, difficult history. It could be relational strain between the two of you. It could be physical or hormonal issues. It could be recent childbirth. It could be something else. Um, sex may fall in a category for your wife that feels more like work than rest right now. Um, if that is the case in your marriage, I strongly advise you <laughs> that you prefer your wife, that you defer to her. Um, if you're not sure if this is the case for you, or if you had no idea that that could be, possibly be a consideration that might be in your wife's head, that maybe it's not always like, like sex with you is not the most like, amazing thing that, that she looks forward to every single day, uh, it's probably worth having a talk. Uh, along those lines, because I'm looking at Ronald here, not, not, not about this specifically, but... Um, <laughs> sorry, Ronald. Awkward segue. Um, that could lead to marital counseling needs. Um, yeah, you like that? Um, you didn't know where I was going there. I had you in the first half. Um, as, so Sabbath is a relational thing, and you may find that as you and your wife specifically try to figure out what Sabbath looks like in this area, but other areas as well, that, oh, this is bringing up stuff that we don't agree on. We have different, you know, we've got some, some issues here between us. Talk to somebody. You can talk to a pastor. Come, come for counseling. Uh, you can talk to me. You can talk to other guys around the table. It's like, hey, this, we're button heads over this issue. Uh, have you ever dealt with this? And, and you've got a community of guys here that want to care for you. So just know that. Um, so yeah, so be, be um, again, I think sex can be a really helpful part of Sabbath, but I want you to strongly consider uh, whether it's, it, it is restful for you and for your wife. Along those lines, exercise. Maybe if sex feels more for your, for your wife like work than, than rest, maybe some exercise is in order for you. Um, it might feel like work to exercise, but it can be really refreshing. Uh, I know that for me, like getting on a bike and just riding, not like, I'm not one of these guys that goes like 50 miles or anything like that. Like, I ain't got time for that. But going to spend a half an hour to an hour on a bike, just out in creation, is, is really good for my soul. Um, exercise can have really good benefits for your neurochemistry. Um, it allows us to enjoy, like I said, especially if you're outdoors, enjoy God's creation, including your body, which is a part of God's creation. Uh, if you are a dad who is either t- typically prone to anxiety or depression, or if you've had a week that is specifically anxious or depressing, I would encourage you to look at exercise as a way of enjoying Sabbath. Feast. You get these last few ones in order. Uh, God's good creation involves food. Food tastes good. 
Feasting reminds us that food is not just fuel. Big part of our Sabbath celebration every single week is Pancake Sunday. So every Sunday morning, we wake up and we have pancakes, unless somebody wants waffles instead, but we typically do pancakes. Um, like I said, I'm trying to manage what I eat all week. I don't care on, on Pancake Sunday. I don't like halfway do it. It's like, I'm just going to put a little bit of peanut butter on it. No, it's like butter between each pancake. It's an extra pat of butter on top. There's warm maple syrup, not the fake uh, high fructose corn syrup that tastes like maple. The real stuff poured over the top until it, like, the butter slides off the side. And you have to put it back over, and then you just smear it all over the top again. Like That's Pancake Sunday. And, and my kids wake up looking forward to Pancake Sunday. I stole this idea from A.J. Sabota from his book. He said whenever he mentions Sabbath, he wants his kids, as they grow up, whenever they hear the word Sabbath, for their mouths to just start drooling because he, he wants them to remember the sweetness of God. And there's actually um, there's a historical, again, Jewish tradition of having honey on Sabbath as a part of just reminding you of the sweetness of God. Uh, gather. This may or, not be, may or may not be you. Uh, if you're an extrovert, you may want to gather people together. Again, make sure your wife's an extrovert too. If I was like, honey, we're having 12 people over for, uh, for Sabbath. She'd be like, um, no. Uh, the house, again, we haven't been cleaning the house all day, so uh, yeah, we're not inviting people over. It may feel like more work for other people, but you may be the kind of person, your wife may be the kind of person that likes to gather with other people and commune, uh, especially if you're not doing Sabbath on a Sunday and coming to church. That might be especially important to just see some other people and enjoy rest with God's people. Play. Your kids are going to want to play with you. Play with them. You don't have work to be like, oh, I got to do this thing. No, you don't. You don't got to do anything. Go play with your kids. They may want to wrestle. They may want to play a board game. Uh, I find that for me, it can be helpful to let my wife take a nap while I play a game with the kids. And what I love about that is that, you know, for her, she feels like sometimes, oh, well, I'm making, you know, it's not, sometimes like, it's not fair for me to go take a, to take a nap while you're having to deal with the kids. But I think sometimes they don't realize that for me, like, I haven't seen them all week like you have. You might be tired of them. I'm not. I haven't gotten to play with my kids all week because I've been really busy. Let me just sit down and play a game with them, you know, whether it's a board game or a video game or you're playing basketball or whatever your thing is with your kids, take time to do it on Sabbath. Um, and work, which is weird, because I told you it started off the things that you're not supposed to do on Sabbath with work. Uh, Abraham Heschel, a 20th century Jewish rabbi, said, a man who works with his mind should Sabbath with his hands, and a man who works with his hands should Sabbath with his mind. Um, it can be really restful for you to do something on Sabbath that's not normally in your wheelhouse. So like for me, like Terrence frames buildings. For, uh, and teaches people how to do it. For him, going home and uh, doing a house project on Sabbath is not restful. Uh, really, house projects wouldn't be good for me. But maybe building a fun project might be. Uh, if you're a landscaper, don't garden on Sabbath. If you're a golfer, don't play golf on Sabbath. Um, but for Terrence, maybe sitting and reading a book might be refreshing. Um, you know, I work in front of computers all day. Uh, sitting in front of a computer is not restful for me because it's what I do all day, every day. Uh, there's a quote from a Sherlock Holmes story that I believe uh, is actually a quote of somebody else. Uh, a change of work is the best rest, is the, is the expression. Just the idea that sometimes it's not a matter of doing nothing, but just changing what you're doing that gives you some refreshment and relaxation. Um, so then I'd ask you, take a few minutes, jot down in those boxes I've got there about your ideal Sabbath. Uh, just take three to five minutes. Three things that you want to avoid doing this Sabbath and three things that you want to do this Sabbath, if you haven't already done them. I'll just lay out my, my ideal Sabbath for us, for you. I wake up in the morning whenever I feel like it, or when the kids drag me out. We make pancakes. We eat way too many pancakes. We get ready for church. We come and enjoy church. We do a super easy, easy lunch for the kids. They, um, they usually make a little meat and cheese and, and cracker board. Sometimes I just let them do it themselves, so I'm not worried about doing it. Um, then I'll go for a bike ride, take a nap, maybe take a nap. Um, and then 
I'll read a book. Usually I'll try to read a Sherlock Holmes story because I've been enjoying those lately. Um, and I may snuggle up and watch a movie. And I'll enjoy my day. We'll do leftovers for dinner because they're easy, because they're already there. Um, and I just rest. I just delight in God's creation. If I can sit outside and look at things, that's great. If I can go for a walk. It doesn't have to be anything exorbitant or extravagant. Um, but I want you to think and really get creative with your Sabbath and think, how can I delight in God and in his creation one day a week? Just spend one day delighting in God and what effect could that have on my family going forward? So uh, take a few minutes to jot that down. We're going to pray. We'll break for a second, couple minutes while you do that. And then I've got a couple books to give away and we'll do some discussion. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your rest. Thank you that you have given us rest in you. Lord, rest from saving ourselves, rest from the wearies of, weary uh, worries of the world, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to enjoy your rest more fully. Lord, that we would enter into that rest on a weekly basis. Um, God, that we would fellowship with you, enjoy your creation, enjoy the families you've given us. Lord, that we put work in its place, that we put ourselves in our place. Lord, that we'd humble ourselves to be willing to take a break. Uh, God, I pray that you would help each of these guys as they commune with their families, Lord, as they discuss these, these plans with their wife in terms of how they want to do Sabbath. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help them to do it to the hilt and truly enjoy your world. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.